0: We're going to go back tonight and finish uh, this message that we began last week on this idea of heart-to-heart parenting. And so um, I had a handout for last week, and I believe there's a few that are out there still. So if you need one, maybe you could just slip your hand up. We'll make sure you get one um, if you need a handout, and, and we will finish that out this week. Uh, if you want to, you could turn to um, Proverbs. Chapter 23, maybe stick your finger in Proverbs chapter 4 as well. Those are two of the main passages we'll see tonight. Of course, I'll put most of them on the screen again tonight. We began this idea last week of of grasping and guiding and guarding the hearts of our kids. And and I told you specifically that this dealt with older kids and teenagers was was really the biggest focus of this kind of section I wanted to talk about. But these things um, began... Um, on at an earlier age even than that, um, that we want to go after the hearts of our kids, that we may bring them to Jesus. So um, have you ever noticed how amazing it is that things change um, very quickly in a short amount of time? Um, I have often looked around the living room of our home and, and observed the toys and the books. Drewn about the living room, nobody else's living room looks like that, right, except for mine, um, and watched our four kids play outside, or well, at least three of them, the littlest one doesn't go outside and play yet, but, um, or maybe they're playing inside in the house as well, and I've remarked, on more than one occasion to my wife, I've said, you know, isn't this what you would always thought it'd be like when we were dating in college, you know what the answer is every time, no, we had no idea this was going to be like and that's not because, it's not because it's a bad thing. It's because um, two people in their early 20s can't possibly know what life is going to be like 11 years and four kids later. Um, it's a wonderful thing. But things change rapidly. You know, we look back and we think, wow, I mean, this is, this is totally different. Life moves fast. And in the fast-paced change of life, it's easy for some things to get missed along the way i know as a parent that that sometimes when we're raising our kids and we say hey you know we really we know we need to teach them this we know we need to make this a priority or that a priority we really need to to lock in on this and we think and it's easy to think things like well maybe we don't need to do that right now but we will and then you turn around and this years later and you're like you know we should have started this a long time ago Right, These things, they get away from us. I mean, I think I've said it before. The days sometimes are long, but the years are short. But one thing we can't miss out on is this intentional raising of our kids and our teens in the ways of God. And so tonight I want to go back and and review a few things and then wrap up these thoughts on heart-to-heart parenting and and how we go after the hearts of our kids and specifically our teens. And, And what we said here is that the highest, call of, uh, highest calling of parents is turning their children's hearts to the Lord and His ways. And so I'm going to go back. I'm going to review the points that we talked about last week just briefly. If you want to hear everything I said last week, um, you can go back on our website and listen to that. Um, but we, we, were, we first covered this idea. Um, it, well, well let, me, I'm sorry, let me go first to Proverbs 23. This is the verse we, we started with last week where Solomon said, My son... Proverbs twenty three twenty six, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Um, this, and I told you last week, you know, this is a, a command, but it's also a promise. Give me your heart, let me instruct your heart, but also observe the way that I live. And I think I likened it a little bit to what Paul said, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, may not be that passage, but I think that's about where it is where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. It's this idea of, of discipleship, of, of what we're doing is we're taking our, the hearts of our kids and we're pointing them to God and, and because we're their parents and we should be the ones who are responsible for that. And um, I made the comment last week, you know, look at the life of Solomon and you ask yourself, how well did he do at something like that? I mean, Solomon had 700 wives, Right, and three hundred porcupines, or whatever concubines, Sorry, um, and and that was a, you know, he had a he had a problem, right? I mean, can we just, ladies, he had a problem, right? Guys, he had a problem, right? And you say, well, man, I mean, where does Solomon get this attitude that he had about women? Look at his dad. I mean, his dad had the same problem. They they struggled with this, and so you, you say. This is what he said to his son, and so then to me, it's little wonder that Rehoboam tore the kingdom in half, because this is what his dad said, but his dad lived in another way. And it doesn't excuse sinful choices that people make, okay? But we can set our kids up with a, with a, with a foundation for these things and live that out before them and, and hand this to them. The first thing we talked about last week is, is grasping hearts. And, and we said there that, that we must show our children that we want their hearts and that we can be trusted with those hearts. That, that, that we desire for them to follow us as we follow Christ. That we desire to point them to our Savior and His ways. And I said last week that if we're going to do this, if you are going to effectively ask your children to trust that trust you with their heart and to follow you as you follow Christ, then you have to be a good child of your heavenly Father. It's not something, hey, just follow me so we can make life easier. But hey, as I am a child of God, as I am a follower of God, I want you to follow me and I'll point you to Him. And a question that we asked in this in this section of grasping hearts, that kind of the one of the the roundup questions is, do our children know that we love God above all else? Do our children know that? If I, or someone else came to your children and said, does your, does your mom, your dad love God above all else? Now, I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm not going to send out a poll to your kids. But that should be an easy yes for a Christian. And then we talked about how do we how do we grasp the hearts? What are some practical ways that we can grasp the heart of our kids, of our teens? One was through this idea of, not this idea, but the, but through the method of prayer. And there were three focuses of prayer. You know, praying for ourselves and, and the way we parent, praying for our children and the things that they experience in their lives and praying with our children for these things going on in their lives. Number two, we said that, that we need to have, we have time. We need to invest time. In, and I told you, this principle that relationships take time. If you are going to build a relationship with anyone, you have to spend time with that person. And, and that counts double for your kids and your, and your wife, right? Men or, or, your, or your husband ladies. Just because you live with that person or just because they're related to you doesn't mean that they need less time. And, and I said it needed to be intentional we talked about how it needed to be an unthreatened time to grow together closer in that relationship. The third thing we talked about was was laughter. You know, that, that we need to 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 be willing to laugh at ourselves, we need to be willing to um, encourage these things and, and create this atmosphere um, that, that doesn't take everything so seriously in life that doesn't have to be taken seriously. And then the fourth thing was talking about encouraging our kids, encouraging them in the things of the Lord, encouraging them in what they do right. And I told you that good—we said—good parents help their children know when they've done wrong. Godly parents also help their children know when they've done right. To reinforce those things. And can I just—I um, just want to stop here for a second. Uh, one of you came up to me this morning and shared with me about something my son had done uh, in a very positive way. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but that about made this dad cry this morning. Okay? Because um, I expect to hear the bad things as a parent. Um, just so you know, when we get opportunities to share with other people, um, hey, you know, your kids did this or said that or did this, and that was an encouragement to me. That's an encouragement to a parent's heart as well, um, that we can, we can edify one another. I'm not trying to create this false sense of we should go around and tell everybody they're doing a good job, okay? But encouragement is a big thing you know what it's like if you're at work or you're in a relationship or whatever and someone says something really encouraging to you i don't know if you're like me but i can live on that for a long time right i can go and, and say hey bless the lord praise god we're going to do this and, and just and just keep going on that thing on genuine encouragement and just as we know that that can happen to us we should do that to other people we should encourage them we're really good at, and I'm going to put myself in this category, I'm really good at calling out things that aren't right, right? And saying, yeah, we need to fix that. I'm really good at that. Not always as good at the encouragement side. and So I know that, that personally that's something I have to keep working on as a, as a person and as a parent and, and an adult. After Grasping Hearts, we talked about guiding hearts. Our goal as parents is to teach our children to love God, and as we gain their heart, we must guide that heart to God. The, the best way to teach our children to love God is to live it ourselves um, and I, We talked about this idea that the teen years are the laboratory for adulthood, and, and you and i we 're the instructors of those things as parents and we 're going to talk about what the characteristics of a good instructor something that 's not i didn 't say last week, but I want you to think about this. Um, it's, it's always easier to instruct somebody on something that you yourself have learned and practice and do. Um, I don't know if you've ever had to teach something that you weren't really familiar with. You know, you just kind of got the material and so you're just kind of reciting it, right, or you're reading it. That's not always as effective as something that someone else taught you, right, um, that you learned for yourself, So if we're going to effectively teach our children the things of God, we have to learn the things of God. Um, That's one of the things as a pastor I love. I spend so much time in the Word of God. When I get up here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday or whatever it is, it's not just open the Bible, tell you something I read this week. I I make it a point to spend time studying the passage to let God speak to me so that I can share with you those things. I'm not telling you something like, hey, you need to do this, right? This is what God has, has already worked on my heart about. And there's some messages, by the way, like this message that are really hard to preach because I know i got a lot to work on. Um, and so we guide our hearts, we guide those hearts to, to God. And we talked about what are the characteristics of a good instructor. One, open and approachable, that, that our kids know especially our teens, as they get into our, their teen years, and they have a lot of questions about a lot of things, and some of those questions make us really uncomfortable. Can they, do they know they can come and ask us these things? Is it, is it okay to ask questions about those things in a, an appropriate way? And I said that if, if we do not show our kids that, that, they're willing, that we're willing and able to answer those questions, they will not ask them of us, but they will continue to ask them. And they'll find the answer somewhere. Number two, transparent. Willing to admit, hey, I didn't get this right or do this right. Or, or this is how we, we work through a situation like this. Helping them see those things. Number three, providing contextualization. Contextualization. Helping our teens, especially, see the bigger picture of life and how things fall into that. And number four, providing support, helping them work through those things, showing them the boundaries of things, and, and working through those um, maybe the issues of life, even that they have. And then, lastly, and we'll spend the rest of our time tonight talking about this idea of guarding hearts from Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 23, Solomon wrote, Keep or guard, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. When the scripture speaks of our hearts, it's talking about not this muscle that's in your body that's keeping the blood pumping through your your system, but our hearts are our minds, the seat of our emotions. It represents the core of our very beings. And we are commanded here by Solomon to keep to guard, to protect, the, to protect our hearts. Because our hearts are what control us. Our hearts determine our habits. If we um, have a heart that follows after God, then it leads into godly habits. If we have a heart that pines and longs only for the things of the world, we pick up very worldly habits. We must give all diligence To guarding our hearts for God. And we must recognize all the things in our lives that are vying for the attention of our hearts. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of things trying to grab not just your heart, the heart of your kids, the heart of your teens. It's all over the place. It's like guarding a city. When Solomon wrote this, in the context of the day he lived, it was not uncommon. In fact, the very city that he lived in, the city of Jerusalem, guess what you had around the city? A wall. Why? To protect yourself. And you know what the weakest part of a wall is? Any part that has an opening, like a gate, right? That's why you put a really big gate there and you put the strongest guys there. Why? Because that's considered the weak point. If you can overcome the weak point, then you can gain entrance into the city. It's like guarding a city. Every entry point must be protected or you will have trouble. I mean, what good does it do you if you have a city in the day, say the day this was written, or the day today, say if you had a, a city with a wall around it, or you look at some of these missionaries who live in other countries where they have to live like on a compound with a wall, and you say, hey, look at this. You know, i got this big cinder block wall, it's three feet thick. This somebody said, well, I mean, what's that? Oh, that's the door. Well, do you have a gate that goes there? Oh, no, we just kind of leave that open. Well, that's foolish, right? You're not protecting that. And, and our lives are the same. You know, we can look around and say, well, I have all of these things. I do all this, and I think about this, and I go to church here, and I do... But we leave our hearts open to this. It doesn't do us much good. We have to make every effort to guard these things. And we have to teach our children and show them, how do we guard our hearts? So what are some areas where this is vital? We have, I have three different ones here where I believe this is most vital. Number one in our, in the way we use our time time Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 the apostle Paul wrote redeeming the time for the days are evil we have to ask ourselves these questions you know how do we how do we spend our time how do our teens spend their time it, do we make Adequate time for God's Word. I, I mentioned that this morning kind of in passing. That that when it comes to studying the Word of God, we have to make time to study God's Word. There's a little bit, if not a lot of bit, in some people's lives. Uh, you know, we, we have to make we have to be very disciplined in that. Um, because you get up for the day and there's so many things going on. I mean, I I um, I was just talking to somebody this morning about something we need to get together and talk about. It wasn't super urgent. And I literally looked at him and I said, hey, can I get back with you in about two or three weeks because the next couple of weeks, I am just slammed with some things I have to do. Some things I know that I have to manage my time about. Can we meet in a couple of weeks? And I hate doing that, but again, it wasn't urgent. So it was, hey, we, we can meet in a couple weeks. Be, and he said, no, it's no big deal. It's that mindset that I carry, you know, throughout, like you do, throughout the day of, okay, we got to get up, we got to go here, we got to do this, we got to do that. And... And so, if we're going to adequately spend time with God, we have to say, "Okay, when are we going to do it? Because if you're like me and you say, "Well, I'll do it when I have time." How many of you that 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 never works out for you when you say, "I'll do it when I have time," okay right here, two hands, okay. Hey, I'll do it later when I have time. I'm not going to have time. I don't know why I say that. I think I'm going to have time. I think I'm going Honestly, in my own heart, I know I'm not going to have time. But it's just a way, it's just a something I say because I want to go do something else. At least that's how it is in my life. So we have to make time for God's word. And then we teach our teens, teach our, our kids. We have to encourage them. Make enough time for God. In our home, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you how this plays out in our home, okay? may not work for you. works for us. In our home, if you came to our house, and many of you have been there and, and, and come over, and if you, if you were just to go up the stairs and turn around and look at that little um, wall, you know, as you go down the stairs, there's a little paper right there. And on that paper, it has the things that you're supposed to do before you come out of your room in the morning. That's where our kids are. They're supposed to do these things before they come out. And one of the things, we have one who reads, and one of the things he's supposed to do before he comes down in the morning is, is make time to spend with God. Read your Bible, the devotional book, whatever it is you, you're working through. Um, and, and this is something we've, we've, we try to instill in our kids at an early age. Spend time with God. Now, the time that a 7-year-old that spends with God is going to look different than the time that a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old or an adult is going to spend with God. It should look different. The 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 content should be different. The challenge should be different. So it has to be age appropriate. But we have to manage our time wisely. Using your time in a wise manner is a biblical principle, and because you are you and I are only afforded so much time in our lives, and so we must teach our kids that we have priorities in our lives, and we give priority these things. The first thing we get priority to is God, and everything else falls in line under that. And then teaching how do we manage when we have other things that come up that we have to deal with, how do we manage that in our priority list? And you know what? There's nothing wrong with what we call downtime. You know, our family enjoyed a little bit of that this weekend. You know, we didn't have anything we had to do, so we kind of took some downtime this weekend, um, just you know playing you know playing outside or this or that, or I didn't play outside it's too cold but um, you know but we have in our culture, we have what I call the downtime epidemic, where it's like, hey okay, how long tell can I can just do nothing right? And I don't know if you ever felt that pull of, our, of those things kind of pull at you, right? You know you're at work or you're doing this or that like, I just really don't want to do anything I just want to. You know, kind of be a bump on a log and, and this and that. And again, there is a time to come apart and rest. There is a time to, to, to recharge, so to speak. But don't let that become what drives our lives. What drives our lives is spending our time wisely. Number two, we need to guard our hearts in the areas of relationships. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. We must teach our kids, we must teach our teens, what it looks like to have right friendships and right relationships. So the area of relationships. Our friends shape our lives. Our relationships begin to define us. That's exactly what Solomon said there. You walk with wise men, you'll become you become a companion of fools; you'll be destroyed. It didn't. He, notice he didn't just say you'll be foolish; you'll be destroyed. That's the end. That's the end of that. That's the end of that. That that relationship. That's where it's going. So we need to teach our kids how to have healthy, right relationships with other people. The body of Christ is a family. We're not out here lone rangering it. We need to spend time with other people. But remember, right friendships and relationships are important, but they don't take the place of God, and they don't take the place of our primary relationships that are in, our, that, that, that in our family. So what do right friendships look like? And are we modeling those things for our kids? Are we modeling a biblically balanced approach to relationships with our, for our kids? Or do we prefer to hole up in our home and not do anything? Or do we prefer to, well, I, I have this and that, and I want to do it with this, y'all just figure it out and we'll figure it out later and I, I got friends I got to go hang with. We need to give a biblically balanced approach of relationships to our kids. Because they are important. We are needed for life. Here's a question you're going to have to answer if you have teens or almost teens or some point you'll have teens in your life. What is your stance on dating? And why? Not just this is what what we're doing, but you need to have a reason why you do it. The biblical, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why we do it, other people may do it differently but this is why the blank family believes this and every family has to make that decision it has to be done with thought and i would encourage you some of you look around you're like me okay my kid my oldest is almost 8 we're not we're not quite there yet okay but you got to think about that ahead of time it's not going to help you in the moment oh what do, what do we think about that we got to we got to think through these things it's so easy in teen relationships, whether they be, um, I hate to use the word romantic, but whether they be a romantic you know, boyfriend-girlfriend type relationship, or just friends, even just guys and girls hanging out together, um, it's so easy for those to be very unguarded, willy-nilly, very shallow relationships. Um, how do we make these meaningful relationships even then? How do we build these relationships? Number... Three, we need to guard our hearts in the way of entertainment. Psalm 101, verse three, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I said earlier, we have a um, downtime epidemic that overtakes our society. Along with that, by the way, is, a, is an entertainment um, epidemic. We have this need, I feel it in my own heart and soul sometimes. Like I just, I, I'll sit there and I'm like, oh, I just need something to do. Like we have this like, we want to be entertained all the time, right? How many of you ever feel that pull on your heart a little bit? Like I got to have something to do. It's okay. I, I'm right here. So how we entertain ourselves and how we view entertainment um, affects our hearts. And it starts with what do you consume, media-wise, as a family? Whether that be a TV show, a movie, music you listen to, um, games you play—you know, video games or, or things you consume on the internet. Uh, how do you entertain yourself as a family? What does what does that promote? And then you ask yourself as your kids get older, and this seems like. When I say get older, the age at which we, which we let our kids watch things by themselves seems to get younger and younger, by the way. I have That's not a message for tonight, okay? Um, but what do we allow our kids to watch and consume? Because, I mean, let's be honest. There are things that appeal to them that probably don't appeal to us, right? Um, <laughs> I remember sharing this as a youth pastor several years ago. That I, I did a workshop on social media, and I said, you know what, what the, one of the most number one things people watch on YouTube is they watch other people play video games, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you're not even playing a video game, you're just watching someone else play a video game. Now, you probably, you're probably not as surprised by that now, I mean, because that's just, it's just kind of normal, that's what people do, but that was kind of becoming a thing then a little bit more. Um. And, and, and so I get it. Maybe that's not really your thing. Like as a parent, you're like, I don't know if I really want to spend my time watching someone else play a video game. Okay, but you need to know what they're watching. And you need to know the content of that video. And if that means you got to sit down and watch something that maybe you're not really that into, it's better to do that than, than to say, well, I don't really know what's going on. Um, I would never, ever, let your kids watch something, you say, I would never watch that. For whatever reason. You need, to, you need to say, oh yeah, I'd be, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see that. And it doesn't mean you have to watch every single video. Maybe you filter enough of those that you say, okay, this, we know that this, is, this fits the boundaries of what we're looking for. But, but there, should be not, there should never be anything that, that we look at and say, man, that's just really not a good thing. Like That is not wholesome that we let our kids take in on their own they are not old enough to make that decision that's not being a, a that's not guiding and guarding their hearts we live in a very digital entertaining age so so we have to teach what 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 is appropriate entertainment what do we watch what do we listen to what do we consume and entertainment is always at our fingertips, right? We have smartphones, we have tablets. Um, Some of us still every once in a while use computers, okay? So how will we help our teens guard their hearts in this area and learn how to continue to guard them? Do you allow unfettered, unfiltered access in your home to the Internet? And if you do, I would caution you against that. You have to have something. And I, I would caution against it for your own personal life too, by the way. You know, just because you aren't a teenager or a kid doesn't mean that there isn't stuff out there that, that you shouldn't be taken in either. We need to teach our kids how to be um, good stewards of the things that God has given us. Again, I gave you a personal example just because that's how I feel like I relate best in this. This year, our kids... Um, our, both our older kids received tablets for Christmas from, from a relative. That was asked ahead of time. It wasn't like, hey, here you go, surprise. I mean, and i just tell you, like, my wife and I really struggle with that because we we're like, "Hey, okay, how do we manage this? How do we? But one of the things we said is if we're going to teach our kids how to steward this, we have to have an opportunity to teach how to steward it. We have to be willing to take that step. And it is, I mean, it is time-consuming to sit down and work through these things. And, okay, you know, what does this look like? What does that work like? And especially if you, you know, if your kid has a device that doesn't match the device that you have. I get it, okay? I'm 33. I feel like a dinosaur sometimes with these things, okay? I literally, my brother is seven years younger than me. I literally call him sometimes. I have have called him at 9 o'clock at night. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't figure out my phone, man, okay? Don't tell him that. He'll get a big head. Um, and, and so we, we have to teach them how to use things like social media, the devices and if we let our kids on social media what are they seeing, what are they saying what are they sharing you need to know those things if your teenager has a social media account you need, to have, you need to know the login to that account and you need to sign in and look at it this is the way it needs to be God's word and living a life for Him is so much more important, though, at the end of the day, and valuable than what's tweeted, posted, or shared. Um, though that these these entertainment, these digital things, I'm all for them. I use them a lot, but they have they need to have the proper place in our lives. And again, we have to live that so we can teach that. This is an area we have to guard our hearts. The highest calling of parents is turning their children's hearts to the Lord in His way. The single greatest responsibility of a parent is to love God and to help our children love Him too. And if we're going to do this effectively, we need to teach the hearts, reach the hearts of our children. We need to grasp those hearts, show them that we want them and that we're worthy of those things. No, we're not perfect, but we want to follow Christ. We need to guide their hearts and instruct them in the ways of God. We need to guard their hearts and show them how to relate to the world that they live in. Show our kids, how do you survive in a sin-filled world? The only way to survive is a relationship with God, an active, vibrant relationship. And sometimes we don't know what to do. We kind of stand at the crossroads, of, man, I don't really know where to go here. Number one, you can always pray. That's not, by the way, the cop-out answer. That, that's what, the primary answer. we got to, hey, God, I need help. We need to be praying about these things. Sometimes, especially with teenagers, sometimes we reach something and something's going on and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like we're trying to deal with our teen and it's like, man, I, I am not getting through. I don't really know what's going on here. And I would tell you that sometimes, just, this is just a very practical piece of advice that I've found we need to stop and remember what it's like to be a team. Everything that's going on, not just in their heart and their mind, but, but the physical changes of their body. Um, and I'm not saying this, by the way, to excuse sin, okay? But sometimes there are emotional, um, physical changes, and there stresses that are aggravating some of these things. And again, it's not an excuse. We have to teach them how to respond in a biblical manner. But, but sometimes... Um, hey, you know what? It's kind of late. Why don't we go to bed? We'll, we'll pick this up in the morning. Sometimes that's the best answer. And not in a, you just need to go to bed, you know, we'll figure it out. But hey, you know what? Maybe we're just not seeing eye to eye on this. Let's grab a bowl of ice cream. Let's go to bed. Let's, we'll sort it out tomorrow. And, and then you've got to come back and deal with it the next day. Um, but I mean, look at um, the prophet Elijah after he defeated the prophets of Baal and he's running away from Jezebel. And he, he collapses under this tree and he just says, he literally says you know, to God, I just want you to kill me. What does God do? He tells him to lay down and take a nap and he wakes up, he eats, and he says, okay, lay down. And take. I mean, he just was worn out. He was done. But God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust, as the psalmist says. And he relates to us in that way. In the end, we need to model Christ. Because our actions speak louder than words. The model that you live outweighs the things that come out of your mouth. We must be good children, as I said of our Heavenly Father. If you are disobedient to God, do not expect obedient children. It starts with us. And then one of the other things you can do is you can borrow some brains can I make one recommendation to you, and i I can make others if you want. this book, Passionate Parenting by Carrie Schmidt. This is probably the best book i've read about parenting teens now, as with any book, there are things you you know you're reading i don't know if I agree with that all the way okay, good he's a man he's not God, okay but I think he does a great job taking the scriptures. And and you might read that, by the way. I'm just going to tell you right now, you might read that and be like, man, I feel like I've heard that before. i borrowed a lot of things that he said there and I've seen throughout the years. But I would recommend that to you if you're looking for a book to read. Let me just close with this. These are the words of your teenager to you. Your kids. Don't tell me. Show me. Model it. Don't Demand it. Display it. Don't push me. Lead me. That is effective godly parenting. Not that we don't have expectations for our kids. Not that we don't say, hey, this is, this is what we do in this house. But that, we're, that we model Christ effectively and on a regular basis. Father, thank you for the day you've given us and the opportunity to be in your house. We ask that you would help us now as we wrap these things up. You would work in our hearts. You would draw us close to yourself. You'd help us to effectively invest in the lives of the next generation for you. We pray that Beaverton Baptist Church would be a place where parents, where families come together seeking to train our kids to follow Jesus Christ. Help us to follow you. Help us to prioritize our relationship with you that we can do so effectively. We ask that you bless the rest of our time tonight. In your name we pray, amen.